Hi, and welcome to the West Visalia Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Maybe I'll even lead a song. And he's like, please don't. But it is good to see everyone that's here. It's good to see some new people in the audience and some people that maybe were out for a while that are back. It's just good to be with our brethren. Did anybody get a chance as they were coming into the parking lot this morning to look at the leaves? Is it beautiful? And you think about this, and Jerry notices the leaves. Jerry notices them all week long because he's in charge of blowing the parking lot and raking them up. But I enjoy watching him do that. I find great beauty in the leaves out there. But you ever think about the fact that God didn't have to make this world beautiful? He didn't have to make the changing of the seasons. He didn't have to make, you know, we have ginkgo trees on the street over from us, and they're beautiful, the yellow leaves. And I don't know what all these different types of trees are out here, but the ones we have by the fellowship hall, everybody on the southwest side of Visalia knows that that's the leaves that take your fall pictures. At. We see people out there doing that all the time. It's awesome. And the fact that we're able to look at that and appreciate the beauty of that connects us with God. You know, the animals, they don't appreciate beauty. They don't appreciate art. They're not moved by something that's creative or things like that. But we can look at nature and be emotionally impacted by it. I think when we do that, we're being connected with God in some way. Because God clearly is one who appreciates nature, beauty, creativity, color, vibrancy. And when we connect in that way and we have an emotional response or and appreciate the beauty of it, that reminds us of God. In fact, Romans chapter 1 talks about that when we look at the world, we can see God through the things which have been made. And it's so interesting that, you know, over the years, over the centuries, we've built, you know, church buildings to come in and, and to worship God. And yet, even outside all around us is things that direct us to worship Him. It's just amazing. I was reminded of that this morning. I thought I'd offer that encouragement today because this morning we are going to be talking about God. We're not going to be talking, though, so much about worshiping God, but about listening to God. And maybe even more than that, learning to listen for God. Because one of the points I've heard over and over again is people say, well, I'm asking for God's guidance. I'm asking God what I should do, and I just don't hear an answer. Ever thought that? I know I've thought that before. Maybe there's a a choice that I need to make. There's a question I'm contemplating. There's an issue I'm struggling with. And I pray to God and I ask God, God, tell me what to do. And then I go, well, I'm not hearing him tell me. I'm not hearing an answer. I'm not getting the guidance that, that I want. And I'm starting to think through this idea. One of the points that I kept coming back to in my mind was maybe the reason that I, Cliff Sabro, am not hearing God speak is I'm not listening for his voice. See, I'm a preacher. I like hearing my own voice. I like hearing my own advice. I like hearing my own guidance. So when I pray, God, please tell me what to do, in my mind, I'm already telling myself what God should be telling me what to do. And I know that from my own personal experience that I need to work on listening for the voice of God. Not me praying and then giving an answer. Because, I mean, you ever been in situations, the teacher's asking a question, and you're already ready, raising your hand, right? You know, that kind of thing, because I know the answer. Maybe I need to work on understanding that I don't know the answers, and instead I need to just listen to what God is trying to tell me. Or maybe, uh, coupled with that, is this idea that maybe the reason that I am not hearing God 
is because I don't like what God is trying to tell me. Maybe I go, well, I haven't heard God. God's not telling me what to do. And in fact, God's screaming over here, telling me through different people, through his word, through nature itself, telling me, Cliff, don't do that. But because I don't like what God is trying to tell me, I go, ah, apparently God's not answering my prayer right now. Maybe the reason why we don't hear God speak is, one, we're not listening for him, and two, we don't like what he's trying to tell us. But what we need to work on doing is trusting in God. And believing and having faith in the fact that God will tell us, give us what we need to have. Because God does know us better than we know ourselves. God knows you better than you know you. You might say, well, how's that possible? Well, God made you. And God knows your heart. God knows your thoughts. God knows um, what you've done, what you will do, what you have, all that kind of stuff. God knows you better than you know yourself. And God cannot be deceived. But you know what we can do with ourselves? We can deceive ourselves. We can fool ourselves. We can convince ourselves of different things that aren't true. I mean, how many times has someone convinced themselves, well, I'm just not good enough. You're convincing yourself of something that's wrong. God loves you and died for you and wants to save you. Or, or we convince ourselves, well, I'm doing the right thing. We're like, no, you're not doing the right thing. You're doing really evil. Don't do it. We can fool ourselves. But we can't fool God. So here you have us asking God for guidance. And God who knows us more than we know ourselves. God knows our mind. God knows our hearts. And what we find out in scripture is that this God who answers prayers, this God who guides, the God who knows us better than we know ourselves, lays out for us basically two choices in life. See, what God is really concerned with is not so much our actions as much as he wants to change our attitude and our mind and help us direct our thoughts so that our thoughts are just like his. So the God who knows us better than we know ourselves lays out two choices for us in life. God says this, you have two choices. You can choose a spiritual path or a fleshly one. You can choose to have a spiritual mind or a worldly mind, an earthly mind, a fleshly mind, a sinful mind. Basically, you can choose to think the right way or you can choose to think the wrong way. And the reason why we don't always hear God's answer when we ask for them is we've trained our minds to not be present to the spiritual realities of the world. Instead, we're only present in the physical. We're only thinking flesh thoughts. We're only thinking our own desires. So God is over here telling us to love our neighbor, and our fleshly mind says, hate your brother. We're going, well, God can't tell me that. Because my mind is telling me otherwise. See, God sometimes conflicts with our thoughts and our mind. So our lesson this morning that I'm going to lay out for you, and I know this is kind of an abstract thought, is I want us to discuss how we can allow God to change our fleshly mind to a spiritual mind. Now, if that's confusing, we need to work on allowing God to change the way we think. Now, that's a challenge. But when you allow God to change the way you think, then the answers from God are present and, and, and real. His guidance is there, and you will know the right path to take. You'll know the right choices to, to make when you allow God to change your mind. In fact, the Apostle talks about this a lot, and he uses some big words, I know. He uses words like sanctification. Sanctification is a way of describing our mind becoming like God's mind, or to put it even simple, a changed mind is evidence of conversion, okay? You want to talk about, how do I know if I'm saved? How do I know if I'm converted to Jesus or not? Are you thinking differently now? Well, I go to church. 
Are you thinking differently now? Well, I give in the collection plate. Are you thinking differently now? Well, I don't, I don't cuss as much as I used to, and I don't, don't hit people. It is. It's more than that. True conversion is not just changing our behavior. It's changing our mind itself. Or maybe to put it another way, true conversion is allowing God to change our minds and our hearts from the inside out. It's easy to change actions. Now, okay, I know it's not always easy to change actions, but it's easier to go through the motions and change a behavior than it is to actually change the motivation behind that behavior. All right, with all that being said, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. What I want us to look at this morning is we're going to walk through a passage of scripture here. Now, if you're new to the Bible, this might be some interesting and some difficult things to understand. So let me back up a little bit. The Bible itself is divided into two main parts. You have the Old Testament and you have the New Testament. The Old Testament primarily is the story of the Jewish people that were descendants of Abraham. There was a guy named Abraham. He had kids and their kids had kids and they became the Jewish people. And the Jewish people have their story told in the Old Testament. The reason we hear their story is because Jesus would be born from that family line. So the Old Testament is all about get ready for Jesus, get ready for Jesus, get ready for Jesus. Now, New Testament time. The year 0 AD approximately, Jesus is born. Okay? Born of Mary, you know, we know the story of the nativity and all that. Jesus is born. The New Testament is the biographies of Jesus, it's the story of Jesus, and it's the story of Christians like us spreading the message of Christianity. And you also have letters in the Bible, like the book of Romans, which is a letter written by one of Jesus' followers to Christians to try to help them understand what it means to be faithful. Now these letters are God, they're inspired, and we read from today and we learn. So the book of Romans is one of those letters written by a preacher in the first century, so a couple decades after Jesus, Paul writes this letter to Christians in Rome to try to help them get along, try to help them be faithful, and to try to help them change their mind, be converted, and follow Jesus the way that they're supposed to follow him. Now in chapter 8 of this book, Paul has just finished kind of venting. In fact, if you read the last part of chapter 7, Paul, the author of this book, is talking about how he has a lot of struggles with sin. Which, I love this passage because if Paul struggles with sin, and I struggle with sin, and Paul could overcome sin, I could overcome sin, you know that thing. I feel a camaraderie with him there. Well, Paul talks about, I know the right thing to do, but I end up doing the wrong thing. And sometimes I think I'm doing the right thing, but I end up doing the wrong thing anyway. And I got this war that's inside of me. We all feel that struggle, right? That war going on inside of us. And then in chapter 8, verse 1, Paul kind of takes a deep breath. And he goes, therefore, now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I know that even though I still struggle with sin, I'm saved as a Christian. Because in Christ Jesus, we're not lost, we're saved. However, he goes on to talk about what that saved life is supposed to look like. So just because we've been saved doesn't mean we keep doing what we've always done. Just because our sins were washed away and we're baptized into Jesus Christ doesn't mean that we now do whatever we've always done and not, not ever change. No, now we continue that conversion process by changing our thoughts, changing our heart, and changing our actions. So let's read. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Jesus saved you, is basically what he's saying. 
For what the law could not do, because it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering to sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. He says, Jesus came, and even though we deserve to die because of sin, Jesus said, don't worry, I'll take the punishment for you. So Jesus goes to the cross, and he dies and took the punishment that we were supposed to take. And now, we don't walk, we don't live the way we used to live. We live in the Spirit. Then in verse 5, look what he says. He says, for those who are according to the flesh, flesh being bad, okay? Those who are according to the evenings, fleshly things, sinful things. Those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And that makes sense, right? People that don't follow Jesus, their mind is focused on earthly things. What's going to make me feel good? What's going to make me happy? What's going to give me more of what I want, even if it hurts other people? That kind of mentality. Those who set their minds on the things of the flesh, or those who are of the flesh, their minds on the things of the flesh. However, those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. The idea is this. Jesus came to this earth. He died so that we live differently. But the life that we live that's different, not because we do different things, but because we think different thoughts. And he uses the word spirit to describe our mind now. See, before Jesus, our mind isn't in alignment with the Holy Spirit. Our mind is in alignment with evil and with sin. But when we come to Christ, our thoughts and God's thoughts start to come together. And now we live according to the Spirit. Verse 6, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. In Christ Jesus, we change our thoughts. Or maybe better put, we allow God to change our thoughts. Notice, Paul doesn't emphasize behavior just yet. In chapter 7, he talks about the things he does, but... Here, in chapter 8, he goes, here's what I'm thinking. Here's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. A Christian is going to sin too. But our mind is different now. We identify the sin when we sin. We go, I don't want to do that anymore. Because I know that that is wrong. Versus when you're not in Christ, you might go, what's the big deal? Who cares? I want to do what I want because that makes me happy. Right? It's a difference there. It's not just, it's not living with guilt, but living with purpose. Because we understand that if we keep a fleshly mind, that we're going to find death. We're going to be lost. But instead, if we have the spiritual mind, verse 6, we will have life and peace. Let's keep reading, verse 7. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. So there's that battle that we have on the inside. When our mind is not aligned with God's mind, we have this constant battle. We know what we should do, but we're not doing what we should do, and vice versa. And there's that war inside of us. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not been able to do so. Then verse 8, he wraps it up just in case we're confused. He says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Let's break it down then. If we don't have a changed mind, if we keep a fleshly mind, see, you can go to church and still have a fleshly mind. You could own a Bible and still have a fleshly mind. You could put a Jesus fish on your car and a what would Jesus do bracelet around your wrist. But if you don't have a changed mindset, you're still in the flesh. Because the fleshly mind 
is death. It'll cost us our souls. It is hostile toward God. Our thoughts will not be the same as God's thoughts. And we cannot please God if our heart is not right. And even to take that deeper, that means we could be doing quote-unquote good, but if our heart's not in the right place, is it truly good? No, it's not. Let's keep reading. Verse 9. He says, however, you are not in the flesh. Remember, he's talking Christians. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You're different than the flesh. And then he makes his argument. He says, if or since, it's a conditional statement, since indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Paul says, look, if you're worried about whether or not your flesh or in the spirit, what did you get when you became a Christian? You got the Holy Spirit of God. And the spirit of God dwells in you. That means your mind is not your mind anymore. Your mind is supposed to belong to God. And if your mind is drifting into the flesh, how can the spirit in there, therefore, leave the flesh and have a spiritual mind and allow <clears throat> Jesus, through his spirit, to transform your mind from fleshly to spiritual? Verse 10, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. This is motivation for us to think differently. Okay, I know Apple did that idea as a computer slogan a long time ago, think differently. What Paul is saying right now is when you become a Christian, your mind is supposed to change so that you do think differently. No longer a fleshly mind, but a mind that is led by the same spirit that raised Jesus. Verse 11, he said, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We used to be in the flesh. We come to Jesus. He gives us spirit. His spirit allows our mind to be changed where we no longer think the way we used to think. We view things differently. We view things through the lens of the Holy Spirit now. And just in case you were wondering what spirit that was, verse 11, he says, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that, that supernatural power is that same spirit that's going to allow you to raise from the dead one day. That spirit's in you. That's why we cannot have a fleshly mind, because they cannot coexist. You can't have the spirit in the flesh at the same pace. That's why it's so important to put death, fleshly mind, and take on spiritual one. Now, I know that's a very complicated way of looking at all this. Because Paul, the author here, will say it one way, and then he'll come back around to it another way, and then he'll hit it again. But the idea is, in Christ Jesus, we learn to listen to and hear the voice of God. By changing our minds through the spirit who changed our hearts through the inside out. Let's keep reading verse 12 and see how Paul concludes this section. He says, so then brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, live according to the flesh. That's not what we do anymore. I have no responsibility to sin. Sin is not my master anymore. Though sin used to be, it's not going to be anymore. I have no obligation to the flesh. Verse 13 for if 
you are living according to the flesh, you must die. He's not talking necessarily about God's going to kill you. He's talking about spiritual death. If you don't stop living according to the flesh, you will be lost. You won't have eternal life. That's cut and dry right there. However, by the Spirit. See, it's not by your own well-doing. See, we can say, well, I got put to death all the sins in my life. No, you didn't do it on your own. You allowed God to do it through you. And if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So again, if through the Spirit we kill the sin, we will live. Then verse 14, he says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. That's the difference between the fleshly mind and the spiritual mind. That difference between someone who is lost and someone who is saved. That difference between someone who knows how to listen to God and someone who ignores God's voice. The one who is led by the Spirit of God, that is the person who is a son of God. That's the type of people we want to be. Maybe the reason we don't hear the voice of God is we've never truly become a son of God by allowing the Spirit of God to dwell in us and to lead us. Because we know always what the right thing is to do. But God knows us better than we know ourselves. God, through a spiritual mind, can help us be sons of God. Or maybe let's do a different way. Fathers know their children, right? God knows us, they're his children. I know my kids. And especially when they're little, I know them better than they know themselves a lot of times. And they might go, I'm not tired. And I'll go, yes, you are. No, I'm not. I know you are. Let's take a nap. If not, you're going to be really cranky later. No, I won't. I know you are, right? Fathers know their kids. Fathers know what's best for their children. You know what? If you don't take a nap now, you're not going to have fun later. Why don't you take a nap? They know what's best for them. Fathers know their children. God, our Heavenly Father, knows us, knows what's best for us, knows our hearts, knows our minds, knows what we feel. We can't come to grips with it. Because a lot of times we can't even come to grips with our own emotions and feelings. But God knows them. So instead of us rebelling against God, instead of us fighting God, instead of us ignoring his voice or not wanting to hear what God actually trying to tell us, because a lot of times through the Spirit, God is telling us something to do, and we're going, no, 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 I don't want to hear it, God, because what you're telling me to do, I don't want to do. Why not instead we allow our Heavenly Father through his Spirit to change our mind into his? God is trying to transform us. In fact, you skip ahead of pages in your Bible to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. He says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we don't do that renewal. It's God through his spirit that does, through the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. We have to allow God to change our minds. So then let's bring this back to our question at the beginning. We always talk about, God, why aren't you telling me what to do? God is trying to tell you. And I know how he does it. 
Sometimes it might be through a passage you read. Sometimes it might be through something someone says. Sometimes it might be your conscience itself through the Holy Spirit being shaped by God. But there's a lot of times God is telling us what to do. God might be telling you, help that person, call that person, love that person. God's never going to tell you anything that goes against his word, by the way. God might be telling you, stand up for the truth here. Give, be generous over there. Love in this way. Volunteer in this way. God is trying to tell us what to do. But we need to sometimes stop and listen through that voice and make sure that our mind is aligned with God's mind. So in your prayers, ask God, God, what do you want me to do? And then instead of trying to come up with it right away, allow him to tell you. Allow God the time to give you an answer. And I think you'll find that when you start doing that, your walk will be different. You'll no longer be walking in the flesh because when you were walking in the flesh, it was, well, what do I want to do today? This makes me feel good, therefore I'm going to do it. But when you stop and go, God, what would you want me to do today? All of a sudden you'll find that you're living a life that is led by the Spirit. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. God wants to guide you. God wants to direct you. God wants to teach you. God wants your mind to be in alignment with his mind and not sin anymore. So my encouragement this morning is this. Leave the flesh behind. Leave sin behind and allow God to transform you from the inside out. So that when you look at the world, you start to see the world as God sees it. So when you see people, you don't see people as a burden or an inconvenience. You see them as created beings by God who need Jesus. When you see someone over here who's asking for help, you don't see that as a burden. You see it as a, an opportunity to show the love of God. You don't look at worship as a chore anymore, but it is an opportunity to connect with Heavenly Father who through His Spirit dwells in your hearts. We start to see things differently when we allow God to lead us and to change our minds. Romans chapter 8 is a powerful chapter. And I recommend you read it and read it again and read over it one more time. Because there's so much truth in there about our mind, our heart, and the struggles that we have. And how we can change our hearts and live a spiritual life through Jesus Christ. The lesson is yours this morning. If there's any way that we can help you follow God to be live a flesh, our spiritual life and not a fleshy one. Talk to one of us. You can talk to me up here. You can talk to one of us in the foyer after we dismiss from here. If we can pray with you, study with you, we'd be glad to help. If you have a need, why don't you come as we stand and sing. Thanks again for listening to West Visalia Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week for more on-the-go content or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating and God bless. Thank you.